0: A fairly recent study done by Rebootonline.com showed that in employment, UK workers spend just 3.7 days out of 5 doing their office-related work. So pretty much the remaining 2 days are really full of procrastination, and that includes 3 hours and 5 minutes a week on social media, which of course would be okay if their role was in social media. On average, companies are paying out more than £8,800 per employee per year, which is being wasted. We are distraction junkies. Welcome to the Get Real About Business podcast, where we uncover the real deal about automation, getting leads, retargeting and sales funnels. You know, the stuff that will actually make you money and doesn't empty your wallet. Get valuable, actionable information from me and other experts in the online marketing space, which will boost your business beyond its current boundaries. Prepare for some hot tips today. I'll be your host, Clive Maloney. Hello and welcome. I'm Clive Maloney, and this is episode 26 of the Get Real About Business podcast. More importantly, this is the first episode of 2018, so happy new year. I just love a fresh start. I'm curious right now, have you got a new year resolution? I love fresh starts, but I actually don't ever set a new year resolution. I've tried it once or twice in the past, but it never really works for me. And the thing for me is that a lot of people, they set a new year's resolution, and we know that the vast majority of people who do, by about the second week of January, most people have failed at their new year's resolutions. So I kind of don't want to be part of that starting and failing thing. But nevertheless, I do love beginnings. And I think a new year to me feels like a new beginning. There are times in my business, in my life, where I realise that I've been a bit stuck. Um, I haven't been going forward like I wanted to. I haven't had perhaps the energy and the drive and the motivation to create what I wanted to in my business or my personal life. And I decide that I'm going to have a fresh start. I don't think you need a new year in order to have a fresh start. But nevertheless, this is the time when we naturally think, okay, so how can we get ahead? How can we improve our lives? And what was interesting to me, back in November, December time, I was having a lot of chats with Different people in their businesses. I was out networking and speaking to people. And what I'm hearing again and again is that most, for the most part, people's income is not necessarily rising. And there's a lot of people whose income was very similar to what they had the previous year. And I get it, that's really frustrating, isn't it? Because whether you're working for somebody else or whether you're running your own business, you want to feel like you're making progress. You're getting ahead. And that was the case for me when I was back in employed work, where you know, every year I'm looking to see, well, can I go up at least another salary point? Or maybe there's a new role, there's a new job that I could go for that will challenge me further and give me more disposable income. So that's what I was looking at. And now as an entrepreneur, I'm always looking at how I can dial things up in my business. Today is very much sharing with you some ideas about how I'm doing that in 2018. And some of the things that I honestly believe will help you make 2018 a record year for you. And the thing is, like, you work so hard, you genuinely deserve to be compensated for what you do. So I honestly want this year to be a breakthrough year for you. Now, have you ever read a book by Michael Gerber called The E-Myth Revisited? I'll put a link to it in the show notes page if you are not read it. I encourage you to go and read that. But right early on, Michael Gerber talks about the fat guy and the skinny guy. I think this is a great analogy for why your year, 2017, may have been very similar to the previous year, 2016, in terms of income and growth. Whenever we want to improve ourselves and we make, want to make change in our lives, what we've got to do is to overcome A lot of personal conflict that goes on. And Gerber talks about the fat guy and the skinny guy. And the fat guy and the skinny guy is you. It's also me. It's anybody out there, regardless whether you're a man or a woman, there is a fat guy or fat woman, if you like, and a thin woman in all of us. You see, it's a state of mind. It's a personality type that we adopt. Now, for a lot of us, well, we're probably in fat guy mode when we're sitting down with our feet up watching telly, sitting there with a packet of biscuits on the table, all the things that we shouldn't be doing. Not that there's anything wrong with eating biscuits or watching telly, but when we spend the majority of our time doing things that are unhealthy for us, that creates a certain lifestyle and a certain lack of energy, and it becomes difficult to move forward in your life. And there are times in which we recognise where we're at in this, And we decide that we need a change. So let me paint a picture for you. It's late in the evening. You worked hard. You've been there. You got home maybe about five, six. You had pizza for tea, something not healthy. And then you're sitting down watching TV, watching Border Nation Street and whatever else you're doing. Sitting there, picking at biscuits and picking at crisps. You notice the time. You head on up for a shower or a bath. And you catch yourself in a mirror. And you look at yourself and you think, Oh my God, I'm really putting on some weight here. I did this just last week as we get in the shower. I've got the big bathroom cabinet mirror doors right opposite the shower. Can't help but notice, yeah, I'm putting some weight on. And you realise that things have got a little bit out of control. You haven't been taking exercise. You haven't been eating right you haven't really been looking after yourself and your body is beginning to show. So that's the time you say, okay, look, I'm going to do something about it. Maybe you did that on the 1st of January. You say like, actually, I've spent the whole of Christmas pigging out is time that I started looking after myself. And so you say, okay, I'm going on a diet. I'm going to change things. I'm going to be a fitter and healthier and slimmer and better looking version of me. And good for you, because you go for it what you do is you head first of all to the kitchen cupboard and you get rid of all the cakes and the biscuits and the things that you shouldn't eat and then you order yourself in all of the right stuff you get your vegetables and your fruit and maybe some nutri bars and different things like this and you spend a lot of time looking at the food that you should be eating and then for the next week you're doing that and you're counting your calories and you go to the gym as well you sign up to the gym And you go there maybe three times a week, you do your workouts, you're feeling good. And maybe you've gone out and and got yourself some new sports clothes so that you look the part as well. You are feeling good. And then comes time at the end of the week where you get the scales out, looking forward to seeing what they say, and you can probably guess, can't you? The scales haven't really changed. And this is a really familiar story. Whenever we start out on something new, quite often it takes a time in order to see some results. Now I've coached fitness experts in the past and I know that there are some various reasons why our bodies don't lose weight straight away and you know it's to do with water retention and various other things. I am not an expert there but I do know that there are reasons why these things happen and this is a very natural phenomenon. Now it would be very easy to say oh that's it. Well, it doesn't work. I'm never going to go on a diet again. But you know better than that. You know that if you want to get results, you've got to earn it. And so you say, okay, look, it's really disappointing, but I'm not going to let that get me down. I'm just going to go at it again next week. And I'm going to try harder. So this time what I'm going to do is I'm also going to cut out my morning cup of coffee. Uh, I won't have any caffeine. And what else can I do? Well, I'll go to the, the gym five times a week this week instead of three. And I'm going to walk up the stairs at work rather than take the lift. So I I will not take the lift at all this week. And so you decide that you're going to double down. You're going to work even harder. You're going to try harder to meet your goals. And that's the plan. And it's a good plan. So you set out that day with your plan. And then at the end of the day, you find yourself sitting there in front of the TV thinking about how your day went. And you realize that... You didn't get a chance to get down the gym today. It's actually been pretty hectic at work. One thing happened or the other. You didn't actually get a chance to eat in the morning. So you kind of threw your meal plan out a little bit. Because you've been cutting back on your food. You've not been getting as much energy. And you're feeling pretty low. And what we're not losing any weight at all this week. It's pretty hard. So what do you do? Well you say well okay look I'll just have a bag of crisps tonight. I'm going to cheer myself up. I'm going to treat myself. And I'm going to start again tomorrow. And once you've done that, you're out of your diet. You're back to fat person mode. Because you never really do go back and start again the next day. Now, if you've ever been on a diet before, this is probably a very familiar story. We start with great intentions. We don't get results quickly. And then it becomes difficult to keep at something, even though you know you should. Now, the thin version of you might well be the version of you that you want to be, but that requires effort. And when you're in the zone, when you're doing it, that feels great, and you are good. You get into rhythm with it, and you stay with it, until something goes wrong, of course, and then you divert back to fat person. What's interesting is that you cannot be both fat person and thin person at the same time. We have a lot of inner conflict that goes on. A lot of wrestling, shall I, shan't I? And to be the thin person all the time, it means self-sacrifice. And that's not easy. It certainly means sacrifice until your new activities around your health regime and your fitness, that they turn into real habits and they become part of your normal day life. And this fat guy, thin guy analogy is, is very similar to what goes on at work all the time as you run your own business. There's a lot of things that you know that you should be doing in order to have a healthy, thriving and profitable business. There's also a lot of other stuff that we do, we get involved with that we justify to ourselves that yes, we need to do this, this or this, but it doesn't directly impact in the way that we want it to. So it doesn't increase our profits within our business. It doesn't add value to our existing clients. A fairly recent study done by Rebootonline.com showed that in employment, UK workers spend just 3.7 days out of 5 doing their office-related work. So pretty much the remaining 2 days are really full of procrastination, and that includes 3 hours and 5 minutes a week on social media, which of course would be okay if their role was in social media. On average, companies are paying out more than £8,800 per employee per year, which is being wasted. We are distraction junkies. To compound the problem, according to a University of California, Irvine study, it takes an average of 23 minutes and 15 seconds to get back on task after you've been distracted. That's worrying, isn't it? We spent a lot of time doing the stuff that doesn't really matter. And then we decide to refocus and get back to it. It still takes us more than 20 minutes just to refocus. For most employees, a third of their office hours is wasted. And I dare say that for entrepreneurs, it's just as bad, if not more. There are three priorities in your business. Priority number one, get more clients. Priority number two, service your clients. And priority number three, anything else. And yet when I explain this to small business owners as I meet them on a daily basis, I often find that they get that completely the other way around. The thing that they spend the least time on is getting more clients. So if we want to make 2018 a really phenomenal year for us, making more money, Affecting more people's lives through what we do. And being successful in whatever way we want to define that. What this really is about is taking control of ourselves. Unfortunately we are subscribed to the 19th century view of being productive. And that work is all about go, 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 go. How can I do more? Be more efficient? Be more effective? Get more done? Well the truth is... If we want to be successful as an entrepreneur, we have to learn to do less. We have to learn to say no to a lot of the things that we have been doing and say yes to the things that we should be doing. So instead of go, 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 it's stop and then go. So I want to share some things with you that hopefully are going to make a real difference for you. And there's three things that I want to share with you. Now, if you want to make this useful today, what I encourage you to do is to sit down and write this stuff out. The first thing would be to sit down and work out what are your standards for the year. And so this is what I did. In fact, I did this last year, but I went back to it again this year to kind of overhaul things. What I encourage you to do is to get yourself a blank sheet of paper and write down three to five overarching principles that govern how you will work. Now, it probably would help if I actually shared mine with you so you can see what kind of thing I mean. So I actually wrote down four. I encourage you to find between three or five. You can have more if you like, but they need to be memorable. So if you have more than that, then you're going to start finding that it just becomes part of a list that you never really look at. So the first set of principles for me was about integrity and reliability. I realized that as an entrepreneur and as a business coach, I need to have high levels of integrity and for people to trust me and to work with me and to get along with me, I need to be very reliable as well. And I should point out that some of these things that I'm gonna share with you, some of them I'm better at than others. I am not the finished article, nobody is. But what it does do is it gives me a set of principles that I need to hold to throughout my whole year here that if I just held to those and every time something come up, if I refer back to those overarching principles, it will help me decide what's the right course of action. So for me the first set of principles was integrity and reliability. Be where you said you'd be when you said you'd be there having done what you said you'd do. That encapsulates it all for me. Be where you said you'd be, when you said you'd be there, having done what you said you'd do. So that's the first of my principles. Now the second one, I've chosen intentionality and impact. Just like I did with the previous one, what I've done is underneath each set of principles that I wrote down, I've put myself a little quote to remind myself what was intended. And so I put, don't prioritize your schedule, schedule your priorities. So that's my second one, intentionality and impact. My third principle is work hard and smart and play and rest well. And my quote being, how we spend our days is of course how we spend our lives. So that's principle three for me. And the final principle that I chose was around authenticity. The daily practice of letting go of who we think we're supposed to be and embracing who we really are. I think for me, as a coach, as a human being, as a, a podcaster, in all the different roles I've got, the most important thing, or one of the most important things, has to be around being real, being authentic, not trying to be a, a fake version of somebody else that I admire. Michael Port, great guy, one of my heroes. But there's no good me pretending to be Michael Port. There's already one of him. So those are my four principles. And then what I encourage you to do, next to each set of principles, what I encourage you to do is to write down a set of tactics or action points that you can do that show how you can practically put these principles into action. So let me take you through this with what I did on mine and you can see how that applies. And then again, you can do something similar for yours. Now, your principles may, of course, be different. If you like mine, steal them. Go ahead. Nevertheless, I encourage you to break those principles down into a set of things that are are manageable. So here's what I did. For integrity and reliability, my first principle, I put down schedule everything in my CRM. Okay, so I'm using, I was using Infusionsoft, but I've recently moved over to ActiveCampaign for my CRM. Um, And that's like my customer relationship management program where I keep track of all my contacts and what's going on there and all my work activity. It's pretty much the hub for everything. So I'll schedule everything in the CRM. And what I'm going to be doing on a daily basis is journal. I've been doing this for about four or five years now and I find it really useful. It helps me focus and, uh, and plan my day really well. I remind myself of the... Acronym that I often use with people, which is DAD. So this is the sort of that I've written down next to my principles here. And that acronym stands for Ditch It, Automate It, Delegate It, and DIY, Do It Yourself. So those are the four things that I do every time something comes up along my way. Perhaps somebody asks me to do a job or whatever. Then the first thing I'll do is ask myself was actually, does this really need to be done? I.e. can I ditch it? Is there a way that I can make it happen automatically? So can I automate it? Can I delegate it to somebody in my team? And if not, well, maybe in that case, I'll have to do it myself. And the last thing I put down for integrity and reliability was to be dependable at all times. Just a reminder there. If I said I'd do something, I need to follow through. And speaking as a recovering people pleaser, I'm not always the best because I tend to say yes to a lot of stuff. But if I go back to using these tactics here, then it'll mean that I'm actually saying yes to a few less things, and then that will help me actually follow through and be more reliable. On oh, the other thing that I put down as well is to use the Pomodoro time management technique. If you don't know what that is, and it's a really, really good time management technique, then check out my other podcast that I did around time management And that was episode 18. I'll put the link to that in the show notes. So that's how I broke down integrity and reliability. Then I went on to intentionality and impact. And you can do the same. Break down your next principle. So I said big rocks first. And these big rocks are simply an analogy for the important activities. The activities that have the biggest impact in our days and it refers to a very popular exercise done in time management where they demonstrate actually how your time is used and um, and how we fill it with the wrong things. If you don't know what I mean, then go online and search for something like big rocks time management or something like that, and no doubt you'll come across a video or somebody demonstrating uh, this time management method. I've also put down high impact, non-urgent tasks first. So focus my efforts there and also to lay out some limited urgent time blocks in my diary. We're going to talk about that in a moment. We're going to talk about planning your week, but nevertheless, that's one of my tactics is to put some urgent time blocks and also to plan my work and work my plan. So that was the set of tactics going with principle two, intentionality and impact. Then what I did is I broke down my third principle, which was work hard and smart and play and rest well. So some of the things that we're doing here by way of tactics is to have a golden hour, which is my early morning routine. I've spoken about that on other episodes. I'm pretty sure I mentioned that on episode 18, actually, on the same one we talked about with time management techniques. So um, check that one out. Uh, golden hour is very, very useful. And also to introduce a daily shutdown. I introduced this to my routine probably about three months ago, and it's, it's, really working well. I can't say I'm always consistent with it but when I do it it's really helpful and I want to be more consistent with it this year. I'm also going to do some habit trackers not too many but focus on one or two habits at a time and use some trackers just to keep me on task and keep me motivated as I make those changes in my personal or business life. I'll continue to journal regularly and to use my CRM as we talked about in the previous principles. And then finally, the fourth principle for me, how I broke that down by way of tactics, was to focus on being the best version of me. It's not about trying to copy somebody else or be somebody else, but simply look to be the best version of me. I'm going to stop looking to other people for approval. Or at least I'm going to try. It's nice to have approval from other people, but I know that I'm not going to get it from everybody. So I'm reminding myself That I should not need it. That I do not need it. And that I am enough. And that it's important that I walk the talk. I don't ever say that I'm the finished article. When I'm coaching people in their business, I don't ever say that I've got things right in my business. Yeah, quite often I'm a step ahead in one area or another. But there are always other areas in which I'm still learning, still getting right. Just like a lot of my clients, I continue to earn the right as I build my business. So that is the first exercise that I would encourage you to do in order to make this year a really phenomenal year for you. When you've done that, what I encourage you to do is to sit down and plan out your ideal work week. Now this is an activity I often do with my clients. And it really is about going back to the drawing balls and saying, like, assuming we didn't have any commitments right now, how would we design our week? So what you do is you simply map out your hours on a Monday to Friday. In fact, you can do the weekend as well. Uh, And I've done the weekend in my journal as well, because I like to be purposeful in the way I use my time on the weekend. But at the very least, start with your Monday to Friday and map out all the hours from the moment you go up to the moment you go to bed. There's a few things that you need to do in order to make this exercise useful for you. The first is to know that actually you need a mixture of activities. Those activities will fit broadly into three categories. Your front stage activities, the stuff that you do when you're in front of a client or when you are delivering your services, the stuff that people can see publicly. So for me, it's coaching people, it's speaking at events, teaching and organizations. That's my front stage work. And then you'll have a lot of backstage work. So this is the stuff that happens behind the scenes, and it includes everything like your bookkeeping, planning your social media content, your admin, your emails, your phone calls, everything that happens kind of behind the scenes, which isn't really about you delivering your service. So that's what I would consider the backstage. And then you've got your offstage activities. And by the way, these three classifications, I came across those from listening to Michael Hyatt speak. And he's an amazing guy and he does a podcast. If you ever get a chance to listen to one of his podcasts or read one of his books, go ahead and do that. Really amazing guy. And this is where I heard these three different areas and he's quite right. front stage, backstage and offstage. Your offstage is all the stuff that you do when you're not at work. So that is time for the family. Any other personal time. Now the way to tackle this is, I think the first of all thing to do is to put in an early morning routine. Now my early morning routine, I spoke about it in episode 18, is what I call golden hour. If you've not heard of that before, go and listen to that episode. I think you're going to find it really useful. But whatever, you have to find a way to start the day that's going to set you up right. And I think that's the first thing to put in. Then I think what you need to do is to block out all the time in which you are not working. So for me, I aim to finish the day at four o'clock every day. Now I'll start earlier, but I want to finish the day at four o'clock. So I've got time with my family to do the things that I want to do. Yes, I'll put the time in. But if I manage my time well enough, then I should be able to finish at four. So I block out that time four o'clock onwards. This is personal time and family time. Do the same for your weekend. Now you have to do your free time first, your off stage time first, because if you don't plan that in first, you're not gonna get it in later because there's always so much to do. Once you've done that, you've got your early morning routine in, then what you'll need is a work day startup routine. For me, this is about getting to inbox zero. It's about checking any texts or phone calls that I might have had getting back to people, checking my social media, anything like that, all the admin type stuff that needs to be done. So I block that in. And for me, that starts at half past eight. Then the next thing I do is I put in a short amount of time, maybe 20 minutes at the end of the day for your daily shutdown routine. And for me, my shutdown routine is to get to inbox zero again, check to see what I've had in my inbox and get rid of all of that. Again, I'll check on my social media. I'll tidy my desk. I'll do a few other little close your type things. Maybe ring anybody in my team that I need to speak to. And then I, I like to end the day with a shutdown phrase. I'm done for the day and I'm ready for tomorrow. So that's the last thing I do. And then what you've got is the rest of the time there that you haven't blocked out already. That will be split up between your front stage activities, like delivering your services, And your backstage activities, all the admin and back office type work that you have to do. So go through and plan those out. And the times in which you need to concentrate deeply and those big rock activities that you need to do, put those at the time in which you've got the most energy. So usually that's at the start of the day. And once you've done this, what you'll have is a default diary or like an ideal work week And what you've got to know is that there is going to be no ideal work week. Because there are going to be things that come up that's going to get in your way. And sometimes you can't meet with people when you want to meet them. It doesn't always suit your diary and so there may be a bit of flex. But what it does do is give you a template. And then you work as much as possible to your new template. And what this will do for you is it will come back to what I called my second principle. Which is about intentionality and impact. Success is simply the daily practice of doing the basic things really, really well. And if we can draw ourselves back to doing the things that we know that we should be doing and focusing purely on those things, doing them consistently, then we're going to create greater success in our lives. Designing your ideal work week is really useful. And what this as well is about not reacting to circumstances. I like to think that we are the architects of our own lives, but in most cases we don't because we simply just react to things around us. But we can have greater intentionality, greater impact, and the one way to do that is to design your ideal work week and use that as a template for decisions that you make around work activities going forward. So that is the second of the three major things that I would ask you to do to make 2018 really amazing. Define your overarching principles and design your ideal work week. Now the last thing I want to share with you today which is possibly the most important and that is to get yourself some accountability. I spoke earlier about how much time is wasted in other people's businesses and companies in general. Coming on for two days a time is pretty much wasted with people not doing the right things and people not being productive, getting waylaid, procrastinating, working on time-wasting activities. And that is when you've got a boss. That is when you've got somebody who you're accountable for and when you've got people seeing what you do. Now, one of the problems when we run our own business is that we are terrible, terrible managers. I'm a terrible boss. Not for other people, but for me. I'll let other people tell you whether I'm a good boss or a bad boss. Hopefully I'm a good boss. But one of the reasons why we don't get a lot of the stuff done that we want to do when we're running our own business is that we don't have a boss or somebody looking over our shoulders to be accountable to. And we let ourselves off all the time. And there's actually four levels of accountability that I think you need. And all of these levels of accountability are levels of accountability I've put in my working practice. And I continue to look for all the time. So the first level of accountability is to get yourself a boss, a coach, or a mentor. Now, if you're running your own business, you're probably not gonna get a boss. But what you could do is get a coach or a mentor. Now, one of the pieces of feedback I get as a business coach all the time, It's the accountability that's the most powerful thing about having a coach or a mentor. Yes, it's good to get some ideas and some strategies from people. But essentially, the biggest problem is not necessarily finding out what are the things that we need to do to be productive, but it's about making us do the things that we know we should. And that's what a boss or a coach or a mentor will do for you. And there is a massive difference between some guy down the road doing it for you and going out and hiring a professional coach or a mentor. Find somebody that you admire. Find somebody that you connect with and gel with and use them. They will know how to get the best out of you. What a good boss, coach or mentor will do is that they will set the standard. They will have very high standards for you. And they will expect that you deliver on that. I do. When people come and see me and we talk about things that they're going to do, I expect that they're going to perform. And yeah, if they've got problems, I'll help them out with that. Absolutely will. But nevertheless, I expect that they're going to do what they said that they would and that they will do it properly. And I have an, an issue with anybody who comes to one of my sessions and puts less effort into making their life a reality than it does me coaching them. I want them to be more invested in their business than I am. If I'm working with someone, I'm pretty well invested in their business. My reputation is built on achieving results. So it's important to me that they get results. And I hold the bar high for them, as should any good coach or mentor. So that is the first level of accountability that if you haven't got, go out and sort it out this week. Start speaking to people. Now, the second level of accountability that you should be looking forward to to getting involved with is what happens when you're part of a high performing team or a group. Now, if you've ever been in a really successful team before, you'll know just how amazing it feels when you've got teammates around you who are all very productive, highly focused. They get the job done. And you always want to impress. Just like with your coach or your mentor, you'll always want to go and to be participant in this team and you'll want to show them how good you are too. And you'll get a lot of support and encouragement and ideas. And you get all that from your team. But most of all, it will help you step up. Now, one of the ways that you can do that if you're an entrepreneur is to take part in a mastermind. Now, masterminds, they can look different And they might have a different format but pretty much it's the same thing wherever you go and it's essentially what you've got is a group of people all focused on solving a problem and you know being better in business the phrase mastermind comes from the book think and grow rich by napoleon hill what he says is that when two or more minds come together the sum is not one add one is two it's more like the sum is one add one is three or four or five Because what you're doing is you are combining all that creativity and collective intelligence and the sum is much greater than the parts. Now, often what you'll find with the masterminds is that there'll be like uh, some kind of education slot to start with um, and then there'll be a hot seat round. And there is on mine. Some of them that you'll go to, it will only be one person in the hot seat and then you'll have to wait. Uh, another week for your turn or whatever sometimes you'll find that everybody gets chance and some groups are really really big groups and other groups are small groups Now, obviously because I run masterminds I kind of have my sense of what I think works really really well and the way that I do it is that I'll have like a 20 minute little masterclass to start with where I'll be talking about one aspect or the other around growing a business and then we get into the hot seat round there's a maximum of five people on each group and they'll all bring a problem, challenge issue or goal that they wanna work on. And then the whole group helps them do that. Now everybody will get a chance to be in the hot seat if they work with me. But again, if you're a part of another mastermind, then you might have to wait for another occasion or a meeting uh, in order to get your turn. But that's kind of what works well with my groups in my mastermind. If you're not part of a mastermind now, Get yourself on one. Not only will you get all the help that you need to work out what you need to do to grow your business, you'll learn from other people by what they're doing or what they're not doing. And also you get this huge level of accountability because at the end of your session, when you take away an action plan to do, you know that everybody in that group is going to be asking you next time around, how did you get on? and the fact they're coming in consistently, having done their actions, having set the bar high, then you're also going to want to do that, aren't you? So that's a mastermind. And that's the second level of accountability. If you've not got it now, get yourself involved. The third level of accountability is quite easy. It's a buddy. The military really know this. You go to the army, they often buddy people out you're also seeing a lot in onboarding routines with new employees coming into companies. But you can do this yourself for your own business. And what you do is simply find somebody who's a temperamental complement for you. And at the beginning of every day, or maybe every week, if you like, usually what happens at the beginning of every day, you're just check in with them, tell them the things that you're going to do. And at the end of the day, or possibly the end of the week, you check out with them. So you have a review of what you said you'd do and how you got on. And your buddy will hold you accountable. A quick tip with this. You can kind of pick anybody. But what you don't want to do is pick somebody who's going to let you off lightly. So family and friends often don't work. You want somebody who's going to push you. You want somebody who a little bit like, again, your mentor or your mastermind buddies. You're going to want to impress them with your work and your efforts. So that's the third level. And there's one final level of accountability that I suggest that you get yourself this year, and that is some public accountability. Whenever you're about to undertake something momentous in your business, let's say you're going to launch a new product or a new service, tell people about it beforehand. Tell people you're going to do it, and then for the virtue of the fact that you've told them, it's then up to you to live up to your promise. Now, don't do this lightly. You can't go out telling people different things and then not fulfill it. So what it is that you have got to do in a public setting, maybe it's a Facebook group or a LinkedIn group, or maybe it's down at your local networking meetings. Go somewhere publicly and make a declaration and then see it through. So there you have it. Those are three things that I think that you need to do if you're going to make 2018 an amazing year for you. Start by working out what your overarching principles are that govern how you work. That will set the theme for the year ahead. And then sit down and map out your ideal work week. Separate your activities between front stage, backstage and off stage. And include a morning shutdown routine. And schedule all of your activities around it here on in. And then finally, get yourself those levels of accountability. Four levels. Ideally, hit on each one of them. If not, start with the top and work your way down and get as much as you can. Now, if you want to hear about what I'm doing and what I'm offering in terms of uh, coaching, mentoring, and masterminds that I run, then just go ahead over to my website, getrealaboutbusiness.com, and take a look there. Equally, if I'm not the right person for you, if I'm not your teacher, that's fine too go online, do a search, find someone. It honestly will make a massive difference to how successful you are. I regularly have clients double, triple and quadruple their earnings. Most of the reasons there is not because I share anything really f- smart with them. You know, Hopefully I do, but most of the time I, I think a lot of it is simply about the accountability and holding people to the things that they should be doing and that is my formula for you to make 2018 amazing. That is all we've got time for today. If you wanna pick up the notes that I put together that outlines the principles and the tactics that I'm using this year uh, by way of example, and some ideas around you creating your ideal work week, and of course those four levels of accountability, then go ahead to my show notes page at getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash 26, where I've got a download there that you can go and grab. Everything is listed there, And also make sure that I put all the links that I've talked about today in the the show. That will be there on the show notes page. Next week, we're back again. And this time it will be with Paul Courtman. So I'll be there and I'll be interviewing Paul about backlinks and SEO. And specifically, we'll be delving into a technique that Paul calls the skyscraper technique. All of that next week on the Get Real About Business podcast. Until then, take care of yourself. I've been Clive Maloney. Here's to you and your highly successful business.